Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson and I am our Connections Director here. We are so happy to have you here with us. And if you're online, a welcome to you as well. If you're newer with us, we would love for you to grab this blue connection card, fill it out and drop it in the giving box on your way out. Um, We look forward to connecting with you this week. Our vision here at Faithbrook is to become a healthy and vibrant spirit-guided church, producing authentic followers of Christ. And to be healthy in any way, you need to live with intentionality. And that is so true with your life spiritually as well. So we encourage you in a couple ways to grow and be healthy spiritually. The first is through the YouVersion Bible app. It's a great way for you to have Christ right there in your pocket. We all have our phones with us day to day. uh, What a better way to infuse him into our lives. Our second way is through the Church Center app and finding our groups here at Faithbrook. So you can have accountability and grow in community um, and really try to live a life that is for Christ. So two ways, through our YouVersion Bible app and through our Church Center app groups. We would love for you to uh, grow in your faith and become authentic followers of Christ. Well, we are now going to continue our series, Game Plan, with our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. They say that championships are won with defense. Do you think that's true? Championships are won by defense. Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't follow sports. I don't follow football. But some of you would say, yeah, I think so. Others would say, I don't know. I really like offense. Offense gets a lot of attention. You know, there's those flashy plays. There's the quarterback. There's touchdowns. There's scoring. There's goals. And so many times we focus on the offense. But defense seems to be the key to win championships. Well, welcome back to our series here at Faithbrook Game Plan. I'm Pastor Jim. I want to welcome you. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you had a long week and this is all you could do is watch online. Welcome. Maybe some of you have had a tough week, but we want to welcome you. If this is your first, second time here, uh, welcome. I hope you feel at home because our theme in the series has been that God has a game plan for you and his game plan is good for you. God's game plan is good for you. Now, last week we talked about having a game plan, how we approach everyday life. What would that look like in God's eyes? We looked at Malachi 6, 8 that says, God's game plan is to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Could you imagine as a majority of society did those three things? to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly, especially with God. We talked about that we can't really um, exercise God's game plan without being connected to God. Now this week, we're going to talk about the value of having a defensive game plan for your soul and for your life. Now why would this be so important? Could I suggest to you that there is a team owner that has his own team that has a a gang of demons that wants to come after you and defeat your life and defeat your soul. In fact, even uh, put your eternal destiny up in jeopardy. His name is the devil. Sometimes he goes by Satan. Sometimes he goes by Lucifer. Sometimes we refer him as the evil one, but he is the team owner that is coming against us. And we need to have a game plan. Uh, Jesus talked about this evil one. In John 10, he talks about he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's coming after us. In fact, 
Peter warns his congregants in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, be alert and sober-minded. In other words, have a game plan. Be serious here. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Who's weak? Who's vulnerable? Who doesn't have a game plan? I want to take them out and devour them. Now, he's very elusive. He's very cunning. He likes to use all kinds of strategies and tricks, and especially temptations, um, to get us defeated and hooked into sin. I'm reminded of this fishing lure that's designed to allure fish to bite into it. So the designers have this thing floating through water and have a flashy little spinner right here that, that's shiny and glittery. And so there's a fish and he sees that thing buzzing through the water. It's like, ah, I need to go get it. They added some delicious-looking feathers that are pulsating in that water that looks like a hurt fish. And you put these all together, and fish are like, I need to eat that. I need to bite into it. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked on my uh, fishing rod lately. Uh, but it's, that's the theme of it, right? And so they're like, oh, yes. And they take the bait. And what they don't see is inside these delectable feathers are six barbed hooks. And when they bite into it, those hooks are going to yank them out of the water. And there's a good chance that they're not going to survive and they're going to be in someone's belly because they took the bait. And I would submit to you that a lot of times we see people taking the bait. We see that showing up in headlines when it comes to just full-blown sin where people are acting out in criminal ways from looting and stealing to, to hurting people, to frauding people, to killing people, and on and on and on. Sometimes we see people taking the bait when it comes to our emotions and inflicting pain in, in relationships. There's people that are dealing with jealousy and bitterness and hate. Their mouth gets them in trouble. There's infidelity and there's brokenness in relationships because the the evil one is trying to allure people to defeat them in their life. We see substances that seem so innocent on the surface before you know it. There's overindulgence and there's addictions and there's overdoses and there is damage. We notice also that he loves to inflict and to, to um, uh, deceive us in our emotions that maybe we, 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 we question and, and we get discouraged and we get diverted. I remember reading a book a couple of weeks ago, or years ago by Carrie Newhoff that said, I didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming. Talked about some high-profile leaders, business world to even pastors per se, that all of a sudden there's a scandal. All of a sudden there's a moral failure. And they're like, where did that come from? They didn't expect it because all of a sudden it creeped up the lurement looked so enticing. It was so easy. Before they knew it, there was heartbreak and there was sin and there was damage. How many of you know someone that's maybe taken the bait, that's crossed the line, and all of a sudden there is some, some hurt? There is some relationship heartbreak because someone is just leaning, going down the road of their emotions and justifying certain things. And before you know it, there, there's some distrust and then there's betrayal and there's some brokenness, right? Fractured relationships. Warren Buffett says it takes 20 years to build a reputation and only five minutes to ruin it. And there's been a lot of people that have ruined their reputation, ruined their relationships because they have given in to temptation. 
and its sin. For me personally, being in ministry for several years, I've seen a lot of people um, wreck their lives. At first, a lot of times they're just diverted just a little bit. Uh, they just kind of fade away, right? Drift away, and all of a sudden they're compromising. All of a sudden they're justifying things. Before they know it, their eternal destiny is up for grabs. Before they know it, they're doing things that they think it's okay, and, but all of a sudden it, it leans over to sin. It leans over to, to damage. I, I've been saddened through the years that, that how many ministers maybe have given in to temptations, right? Before they know it, they're... They're caught and there's problems and their credentials need to be surrendered. And, and the family's devastated and the church is devastated because that idiot, the devil, is prowls around looking to steal, kill, and destroy anything good with his cunning little temptations to allure us. That's going to be okay. No problem. The apostle Paul realized that the stakes were high. He tried to, to tell the people in Ephesians 6 that, that it's not just innocent little sins or little temptations, but it's much bigger. There's an agenda that the evil one, the devil, Satan, is out. And he said it this way in Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there is a, a force, if you will. There is a spirit that is coming against what is good in God and God's plan for your life. And he's like, nope, I'm going to use all I have to defeat you and get you off of God's plan to destroy your life. And before you know it, it costs us. It costs us dearly. In fact, it costs us economically, especially in our world today. How much of our taxes are going to just police officers, to the courts, to imprisonments? It costs us economically. It costs us relationally, where there's division and hurt. It costs us emotionally, and especially it costs us spiritually when we give in to temptation. So the stakes are high, and you need a defensive game plan, a defensive game plan. So if that's true, where do we get a defensive game plan? Is there any examples? Is there a playbook out there somewhere that give us winning strategies? If the, it is true that the devil is coming to destroy our families, destroy our souls, destroy our psyche and our emotions and our relationships, where is this game plan? Where, where can we find one? Well, can I suggest that we can go to Christ himself who exemplified and modeled a defensive game plan to protect God's purpose in his life? We can find his game plan and even what he had to go up against in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. We're going to go to uh, Matthew's account where it said in verse 4 of chapter, verse 1, chapter 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now let me just uh, give, give a little clarification here about temptation and sin. Did, did Jesus sin uh, because he was tempted? A lot of times we think uh, temptation is sin because temptations are mostly thoughts. Uh, there is a nasty thought that comes through our mind. Uh, there is something inappropriate, uh, something negative, right, that is not godly. And a lot of times we feel really guilty, guilty because we have these thoughts. That is temptation. It's what we do with those thoughts. The late Billy Graham kind of explained it this way. It's like a bird landing on your head. You know a bird doesn't need to be there, shouldn't be there, and so you have a choice. 
You're either going to shoo it off and say, get off, get off my head, or you're going to like, hey, that feels pretty good. Let's just let you sit there, build a nest, do whatever you want up there, right? And just dribbles all over you, right? Because you did not take action and say, that's not good. Let's get it off. And this is what temptation is. So here comes the, the evil one. Satan trying to mess with Jesus. And I'm going to suggest or show you that he's going to attack him in three ways. A lot of times this is the way he attacks us. He tempts him in three ways. First, he tempts him physically. Now, if you, I, said, I would encourage you to take notes on this uh, because a lot of times we don't remember uh, what, what was some defensive plans we could have. So uh, get your phone out or find one of those cards in front of you. Write it down if you um, think there's some value of having a defensive plan for your family, for your soul, for your relationships. So number one way he attacks is physically. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah, I bet he was. The tempter come to, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You have the power, Jesus, come on, just, you know you're hungry. Don't finish out your fast, 40 days fast. You know you got this big, bad appetite, and you can just snap your fingers, and these things would be beautiful, wonderful loaves of bread, right? So he's dangling just kind of a a fleshly appetite in front of him. You know you're hungry. You, You haven't eaten for 40 days. Can you imagine how delicious that bread would be? And just compromise a little bit and don't end the 40-day fast. He's attacking him physically. A lot of times this is where um, the devil attacks us, especially when he knows when we're tired, we're exhausted, then we're vulnerable. And so we have these appetites. We think a lot of times he trips, especially the the male species, into um, sexual immorality, inappropriate things. There's these hormones and there's these curiosities. And the Bible describes it as lust of the eyes. And before we know it, we're attracted to these alluring things. They're sexy and looking good. And and we start keep looking at it. And we start investigating. And we're going down uh, inappropriate ways uh, that all of a sudden, we know we cross the line. This is not godly. This is not what God wants in our, in our life. And there's guilt and there is a stain that happens, right? Because of these sexual appetites. But there's also other appetites. Appetites to overindulge. You know, when it comes to drinking, when it comes to eating, maybe working, maybe complaining, maybe bickering, it's all kind of attached to just getting us to be tripped up and going down and doing things that are not of God, that are sinful. Sometimes he triggers us emotionally and physically when it just comes with anger. Something has ticked us off. The things are not going well, and we're just on the edge. And before we know it, man, we just lash out. Maybe we throw some signs. Maybe we say some words that are very hurting and cutting, and we just go for it. Meanwhile, the devil's out just laughing. Oh, yeah, I got you. I, I, I got you to go there, right? He's loving it. But Jesus didn't go there. Jesus had his game plan, and he addressed it by this, by leveraging the word of God. And how he responded, he said, it is written. Now, you're going to see this phrase right there, it is written, three times. This is so key for our defensive plan. He says, and he uses scripture. Man does, does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is going to go to the, the word of God. What Jesus or what God speaks, his word. Well, where can we find his word? 
Is it my word? Is it your uncle's word? It's the word of God that we can find in his holy scriptures. And his word is always true. It's always steady. It's always reliable. A lot of times we are looking at other word to get our bearings to, to live um, victoriously, right? What does the culture say? What, what does my friends say? But his word will always stand true. It's good. It's, it's strong. And it's full of truths. The Apostle Paul would try to exhort the people uh, to have the word of God to respond and be part of their defensive plan. In Ephesians 6, he, he uses the analogy of uh, put on the armor of God because the evil one is coming after you. We're, we're dealing with these principalities. We're dealing with the spiritual warfare. So what do you got? And he talks about the, the armor of God. Some of you know about this, you know, the the. the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation, etc. But one place he says, you need to have the sword of the spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is, he says, the word of God. Now, if you're getting attacked and coming after you, if you've got a lion coming after you, you're, you're going to need something to repel. You're going to need something to counter. And that is the scriptures. And Jesus models this for us. When he's coming under attack, he realizes and he, and he shows us that there is power when we internalize the word of God. There is power, there, there is ability when we have the word of God inside of us that we have it in our head. The, the, one of the issues that we struggle with, that those who claim to be Christians, is that we don't have much armament. We don't have many swords. We don't know the word of God. A lot of times we're just hoping that we show up and the, the pastor says something, the word of God. But, but when we're lonely and we're away and there's temptations, we're like, ah, I don't have the word of God. And I want to encourage you to own some, some of your own scriptures. Uh, what are, you, are you reading the Bible? Are you taking time to have some devotions? Uh, one of the big uh, tools that we push around here is the, that app Bible that every day there's a new scripture that comes out. And you can highlight those scriptures. You can download those scriptures. You can write those scriptures. If you're old school and got a paper uh, Bible, you know, you underline and highlight them. So, so when there's doubt and there's sorrow and there's problems, you can say, no, where was that scripture? And you're oh, oh, right here. I underlined it. I highlighted it. And you start owning it. You start internalizing it. Next thing you know, there's more confidence, more power in your life. So here the, the anyone is attacking Jesus um, when, it, when it comes to, to, to uh, flesh and appetites. And he repels them back by leveraging the word of God. Now he comes against them a second way. This is really common. If he can't get you in your appetites and your flesh, then he's going to come against you emotionally. Look how he does it with uh, Jesus up here. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Now, if you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down for it is written. So he takes him to the, the pinnacle and uh, he says, now we're, we're going to look over this chasm here and, and you're going to make a spectacular miracle. Now, the key word here is if you are the son of God. If you are the son of God, right there. He's saying, oh, and Jesus, do you have what it takes? You know, I don't know if you're really super valuable. I, I don't know if you're really son of God. You're, you, maybe you're not. People are questioning. You know, if you're really the son of God, and maybe Jesus is like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't have what it takes, and Maybe people don't, I got that fixed, he says, you know. What's going to happen is, is we're going to, you're going to do a swan dive 
uh, off this pinnacle here. And then according to the scriptures, and, and, and the, the idiot uh, devil is so cunning that he will even use scriptures. In fact, he hijacks Psalms 91. He says, now here's the plan. When the command is angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So you know they're going to rescue you. And man, what is that going to look like? Do you know how many fans you're going to have? You know how many likes you're going to have? People will love you. You'll be so popular, man. When you dive off and all of a sudden this huge amount of legions of angels come and rescuing you, people are like, wow, let's follow that guy. And you're going to feel so good about yourself, man, because maybe you're not who you need, think you are. So let's go this route. And he's tempting them, him emotionally. I think this is huge in our life. A lot of times we're asking the same question, if we are who we think we are. Or that God says that we are. And a lot of times, privately, secretly, we're asking that question about our self-worth, our identity, our value, our status. Do we have what it takes? Before we know it, we, there's some insecurities. Before we know it, that we got to kind of prove ourselves. We got to make sure everybody thinks we're great. We're going to show off, right? We, we push our way to the front of the line. Look at me. We need people to love us, compliment us, invite us, be our friends, because we're always asking that question, you know, what, what, what if I'm a loser? What, what, what if people don't like me? Because our values in question of who we are in Christ Jesus, a lot of times we get caught up in the comparison trap. We're not sure. So we're looking around everybody else, and all of a sudden, man, look what they're doing. What do they look like? How many friends do they have? Where are they going? And all of a sudden, we're like, man, I don't feel very good about myself. And, and we, we got to keep up with everybody. Oh, well, let's spend the money and let's go there and let's make that, make that look, right? Because there's doubt, there's temptation of our confidence and our wholeness in our soul. He likes to, to scare us to say, well, maybe, maybe we're, we're missing out on a lot of things. I notice their kids are, are doing that. Our kids aren't doing that. And, and they're wearing that, and I'm not wearing that. And, and they're going there, and we need to do this. And next thing you know, we, we're spending money that we don't have. We're getting in debt. Next thing you know, how are we going to afford this? And we're griping at each other, and our relationships are deteriorating because the whole time the devil is, is dangling that lure. And, oh, yeah, keep up with everybody else. You're not good enough. Nobody likes you. And you're, you're, you're not, not well, Right? And so we succumb emotionally to these temptations. Jesus didn't. So what was his defensive game plan? How did he counter that? We see, once again, verse 7, he says, It is written, do not put your Lord God to the test. Now he just grabs that scripture out of Deuteronomy 6. Uh, Moses said that to the people, don't test God. But I would uh, suggest to you there's something deeper here, that Jesus is recognizing what's going on. Jesus is knowing that the devil is playing on his emotions. If you are the son of God, let's see you show that, right, by this um, fantastic miracle. So he pushes back by the word, and he chooses this, this scripture. He says, man, don't, don't test me, right? But Jesus recognizing, and so what he's showing us is that we have to be smart or self-aware of how God, how we are vulnerable and where the evil one will try to tempt us. And for this case, it's his emotions, his identity, his worth, his status. So I want to encourage you to be aware of the tricks of the devil. I like what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians. We take captive everything or every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 
Okay, so I'm thinking these things. This is probably not what God thinks. This is not healthy. This is negative. I need to take it captive and surrender it to Christ. Now, I, I would encourage you that, that one of the phrases I use personally uh, that is called this, to name it, to tame it. Name it, to tame it. So all of a sudden, you have these thoughts that are tempting you that let's say that you know, nobody likes you or you're not good enough or you don't have what it takes or you should be doing this and you're not keeping up. These are all, we got to name that. Say, oh yeah, okay, this is what's going on. And, and another thing that you got to ask yourself to, to name it is what are the lies that I'm tending to believe? What are the lies they tend to believe here? That maybe, maybe I'm not worth much because we can't do this or we're not here and every people are advancing before me in my career and, and, and my kids might not think I'm a good mother, right? All kinds of play, right? What are these lies? Well, I, I feel like I'm being deceived that, um, that I'm not a very good parent or I'm not a very good worker or the worst case scenario and, and the worst thing's going to happen. What, what are those lies? Try to identify that, to name it, to tame it. And then you're asking yourself, well, what is the truth? Can I suggest this to you, my friends, that there's, a, there's two gospels out there. There's the gospel that plays in our head, and there's the gospel in the word of God. And a lot of times we listen to the gospel in our head rather than the truth of God because our emotions, our feelings will be all over the place, but not the word of God. And we can go back to the solid rock of the truth and say, who am I? What's happening? That God's not going to leave me and forsake me. That God is at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. I might not feel it. I might not see it today. But that is the truth. The truth is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The truth of the matter is that he is my Father in heaven. The truth of the matter is, is that he didn't give me a spirit of timidity and fear and anxiousness. He gave me a spirit of power, love, and self-control. That he is the shepherd. I am the sheep. He comforts me with his rod and his staff. Therefore, I'm going to live free. I'm going to live confident, even though I have these false lies. This is the truth. So can I give you four tools to help you in your defensive game plan? Four quick tools. Number one is, is own some scriptures. Now, I just rattled off some scriptures, all right? Because through the years, I've cultivated those scriptures and memorized those scriptures Right? I've highlighted those scriptures because I've needed those privately and personally. Do you have some scriptures? So own some scriptures. A second tool that I want to encourage you to, to listen to some godly songs. All right? So majority of the time we're listening to secular songs. They're cool and you know, groovy and, and all kind of stuff. But somewhere you got to supplicate. You have to introduce some godly songs to remind you especially when you're under attack or under temptation, who you are in Christ Jesus. And a lot of times there's beautiful Christian songs out there that really uh, hone into our emotional vulnerabilities. In fact, there was a lady in town last night, Lauren Daigle, who probably packed up the Target Center. And, and the song that put Lauren Daigle on the Christian chart and on even the secular charts, it's called You Say. Uh, it goes like this. Here's the first verse in her song. I keep fighting voices in my head that say I'm not enough. Anybody been there? Goes on. And then the chorus says, you say I am loved. Why was that? Uh, why does that song resonate? 
because we need to be reminded that we are loved. Now, Lauren Daigle, where does she know that she's loved? From the many likes and fans? Maybe her, her, her a boyfriend or something like that? No, she's getting that truth from the word of God. She might not feel it, she might not experience, but the spirits tell us that he so loved the world that he gave his son to come to our world and to die on the cross. The word tells us that he will not leave her nor forsake her. The cross says that he will intercede for her. The heavenly father, I don't have to be enslaved to fear again, but I am a daughter of Christ. I'm a son of God. And we sung that this morning, reminding of these songs. Thirdly, I want to encourage you to read godly things. Are you reading any books or magazines or articles or even podcasts that uh, reinforce the goodness of God in your life and help navigate some tough times? And number four tool is to truth journal. People don't do this a lot, but this is very therapeutic. This is very um, vital for victory. It's like you take a notebook or journal and you just kind of name entertainment. You know what happened to me? What are the lies I seem to be believing here? And what is the truth of God? I'm going back to the rock. I'm going back to the word of God. This is the truth that's happening in me. And we pray in our truth journals. God, I love you. I need you. I'm thankful, but God, here's what I'm dealing with, and I need your help. And when we write it out, there's something that heals us, something that transforms us. Now, speaking of the truth, you got to remember something, that sometimes that allurement, temptation comes along and we take the bait and we cross over to, to sin and then the Holy Spirit convicts us and we're feeling rotten about ourselves and doesn't, what do we do with this sin? Well, we got to go back to the truth, right? Because the devil will leverage that and he'll pile on with that and say, see, you can't be victorious. You thought you were a, a Christian and you're just a big sinner and it's not going to be good, right? We got to go back to what the truth is. Oh, where's that? First John 2 says, my dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. I write to you so that you will not sin. Here's a newsflash. Ready? We don't have to sin. Just because the devil tempts us and lures for some delicious, delectable, oh, isn't that awesome? We do not have to bite into it. Because Jesus Christ and his partner, the Holy Spirit, can give us the power to say no. We're not going to let the bird just sit on our head all the time and say, no, we're going to be self-aware. We're going to name and say, I'm, I'm being tempted here. That's not cool, but I'm not going to let you sit there. Get out of here, you big jerk. This is what Jesus said. Get away from me, right? I'm not going to eat that stone and, and, and I'm, going eat, I'm going to eat and thrive by the word of God. Now, if we do sin, if we do sin, the Bible says that we've all sinned. He says in 1 John 2, but if anyone, here's the key word, if anyone, again, he doesn't say, well, it's automatic. You'll never be able to live victorious. You're always going to fail. You're always going to be in the sin. No, 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 no. If we do sin, and we've all have sinned, he says, man, there is a righteous one, an advocate that goes before God. That we repent because God, man, I'm so sorry. God says, man, I love you. I'll be your advocate. I'm going before the Holy Father, and I'm going to intercede for you. And I want you to pick up grace. I want you to pick up mercy. That is the truth. And I want you to pick up Romans 8, 1 that says, those who are in Christ Jesus, is Christ back in your heart? Yes. 
then there is now no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus. So you look at the devil in the eye and say, there's no condemnation. I'm not walking in guilt. I'm not walking in condemnation. I'm going to live in victory. I'm going to live in freedom. I'm working wholeness. And I trip up and I take the bait once again. I'm going back to God and God, God, I blew it. God says, man, I got an advocate and righteousness because that's the truth. Walk in victory, walk whole. So now he's coming to the third temptation of Christ. Now the temptation is going to have to deal with living without God. So we see in verse 8, again, the devil took him to the very high mountains and showed him all the kingdoms. Oh, Jesus, look at all these suspensive kingdoms. Doesn't that look good? And look at their splendor. Oh, look, there's the luxury and the comforts and the power. Doesn't that all look good? He says, man, I will give this to you, but all you have to do is you need to bow down and worship me. Bow down and worship me. Now, Jesus was a God. He, he had a lot of splendor in kingdoms, right? What's going on here? What the devil is trying to do to him is to get him off of God's game plan for his life. Because his father is like, Jesus, we so love the people down there that we need someone to sacrifice for their sins. You're going to have to go down and you're going to have to walk as a human and you have to go through all that suffering. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be betrayed. You're going to suffer physically, emotionally. You're going to be hung on the cross. But you don't have to do this because really what I'm asking you to do or offering you is all the splendor and comfort. Look at how comfortable it would be. You don't really want to do that God thing, right? You really really don't suffer on the cross. That's, that's way nasty and hurtful and painful. Just avoid that. Right? This is what God, the devil does to us. He says, man, don't follow God's complete plan. That might cost you something. There might be some sacrifice. People might look at you a little odd. Just, just live in splendor and luxury and worship me. Because the devil's always trying to pull us off of God's plan. Pull us away from God. To live on your own kingdom. Make your own rules. See how comfortable that is. And this is kind of the world we live in today. Man, it's all about comfort and ease. That, that's king, Right? And to follow God's plan, sometimes there's going to be a little bit of sacrifice. And this is the devil is trying to tempt God. But look how he responds. Jesus chooses God over himself. Chooses God over himself. Jesus said, away from me, Satan. Now, I would have said, away from me, jerk. Right? Away from me. It is written, worship the Lord God and serve him only. Now, when he grabs that scripture, he's making a spiritual decision that I'm only going to serve God. Devil, I want you to know it. I want the world to know it. But away from me, I'm going with God completely. And somewhere we have to make a spiritual decision to say, no matter the cost, no matter the pain, God's going to be first in my life. Now, we like God being the Savior, died for our sins. We couldn't do that for ourselves. But it's a whole other level when we say, God, you're going to be the Lord of my life. You're going to be Lord of my life. You're going to be the master. I'm going to, I'm going to check with you. And somewhere, personally, privately, spiritually, we got to say, God, you're first. You're the Lord and you're master of my life. Now, this sprinkles over until other places in our life, especially in everyday life, somewhere there's going to be some boundaries and lines that we have to have some personal convictions. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going there. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to read that. Why? Because I made a decision that Christ is going to be first in my life. Get away from me, Satan. I only worship and bow down and serve God only. And sometimes, my friends, this needs the fifth tool, and that is a team. That's why God invented a, a family of God, the church. 
When Jesus was battling these temptations, he didn't have a church. He didn't have a team. He was on his own. Today, you and me have each other. And if we're going to live victorious and go with God's purpose in our life, then we have to encourage one another. This is why showing up to church, befriending each other, um, uh, handshaking, asking about each other, because really there's an understanding, man. We're on the same team, and we're trying to move the ball down, and there's an enemy coming. How are, how are you? How can I help you and encourage you? This is why we grew up in living rooms and coffee shops and in our life groups, because we know that the enemy wants to take out marriages. We know the enemy is allured all kinds of praise. And so when we come together, we're praying for each other. We're encouraging each other because we know the stakes are high and sin is costly. And so Satan has an agenda. And so Jesus shows us that we can fight back. And a strong defense is a protection for your purpose. It's got to have some a protection plan for God's purpose. So let's review real quick a God's Jesus' defensive plan. Not one, he named it to tame it. Okay, I know that this is temptation. This is not good. What do I do about it? And there's a process. Start asking some questions. What are the lies I tend to believe that the devil is throwing at me? What is the truth I need to believe, right? What are the tools from the songs I'm listening to to remind me? What are the books? What are the people I'm journeying with, etc.? Second is choose God's way. Somewhere personally, I can't do this for you. You're the only one who can do it. Say, God, I, I choose you. I choose you over my will. You're going to be the first in my life. And a lot of times this, this is an emotional, spiritual decision. We drive a stake down. We say yes to you no matter what. Friends don't follow me. Family don't follow me. I'm going with you. I'm serving you. We choose God's way. And then thirdly, we're going to leverage God's word. Okay, now we're going to need some some an arsenal. We're going to need some scriptures to stand strong. What are the scriptures that I need to own? Now, Matthew tells us that the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Luke's account says that, that the devil left him until another opportune time. And friends, can I tell you that the devil doesn't always leave us alone, that he's going to find a vulnerability again. Maybe when we were weak, maybe we're, we're away from the team. And all of a sudden, there's this temptation. What are we going to do about it? And Jesus modeled a defensive plan. Because a strong defense is a protection for your purpose. So I want to encourage you to make a stand. To say yes to God. To put him first. There's a, the, a song that we're going to sing that has a lot to do with this. Uh, author named Josh Baldwin. Uh, wrote a song called Stand in Your Love. And the first verse, he, he shares this. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, anybody ever been there? When brokenness and pain is all I know, this is when we're vulnerable, right? I won't be shaken, he says. No, I will not be shaken. And then he leans into the truth. He leans into this this prayer, this declaration, this spiritual decision, because fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. I stand in your love. This morning, I want to encourage you to make a decision to choose God first versus temptations. And the good news about this is that when we choose God, we're not just choosing some mysterious, faraway person. We're choosing 
to lean into God's best, his love for our life. And we can make a spiritual decision today. So why don't you join me, stand this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for moving in our lives. We know a lot of people are under attack where you're vulnerable. But God, we can choose your love and choose your holiness. Help us now, God, to declare that and to stand with you.